Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you on this fine Monday? I am doing well, and it is a fine Monday. It's an always an early day for me. Get up for Fox and Friends on Monday. Yeah, so Daddy. I get extra time to put the show together. There's a lot of content <laughs> today. I have a video I want to show you today. Uh, it's going to be in the beginning portion of the show of former President Barack Obama when he was in office. And uh-huh. I, I got to tell you, Joe, for the life of me, I cannot understand why well, I sent this to Joe this weekend. I was so uh-huh. excited about it. I've been talking about it for a while. But why media outlets don't play this video over and over? It's basically Barack Obama Sitting there telling everybody, as he's president, how interference in the election is impossible and no serious person would think that. Wait, what? Huh? Your entire two years, you and your Democrats have been out there alluding to the uh, the, the, the now hoax uh, that the Russians interfere with our election through Donald Trump. No doubt the Russians tried to hurt us, but through the Trump team. So I want to play that video to show you how uh, just this guy, there was a wall up against this guy. They just refused to believe while Obama was president that the Russians would interfere with the election and made the exact argument afterwards. So don't go anywhere. I got that and a lot more. All right. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at. My Patriot Supply, hey, when an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, which is probably right, you'll probably find chaos and empty shelves. It happens down here in Florida all the time during hurricane season. We saw that in in Venezuela, too, much more serious down there. There's a simple way to avoid this. Use today to make a plan to prepare. A practical place to start is by ensuring the food supply in your home. We ensure everything in our lives that matters, our health, our homes. How can you not ensure your food supply? It makes no sense. Use today to make a plan. Prepare. I'm prepared. I use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. You can do so too. You'll be ready for earthquakes, hurricanes, long-term power outages, or unexpected civil unrest. Start with a two-week emergency food kit. Order a few at a special price. I have quite a few of these. And save $62 when you go to this website, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. These food kits include breakfast, lunches, and dinners that last up to 25 years. You know when it's breaking news, it's already too late. Do this now so there are no surprises. Get your emergency food kit this week from My Patriot Supply at preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. All right, let's go. Here we go. Nice. On the bell. All right. So... Uh, before we get started with the Obama clip, I just wanted to um, send my my uh, my just my accolades to the the heroes of the California attack on the synagogue. Oscar Stewart and the Border Patrol officer uh, it was a tragic incident. There was another savage who attacked the synagogue. Story up at the Daily Caller. You'll see at the show notes today about a combat vet who stopped the synagogue shooter, saying, "Quote: I scared the hell out of him." There was this guy named Oscar Stewart, and I really want to uh, uh, pat this guy on the back. I don't know. I don't know how else to laud this guy's actions. Uh, this maniac comes into the synagogue, thinks he's going to shoot up the place and, and and try to kill all the people. And he does take some lives and does a really horrific damage. But this combat vet runs at him and starts screaming at him at the top of his lungs. And there's this interesting quote in this Daily Caller piece where the screams were so loud at this guy, he says he feels like he was almost inspired by God. And, and the people who heard him said it sounded like the screams of like five or six people combined, like a voice had been given this power. And it startled this maniac. And um, I made the point on Fox and Friends this morning that 
He said he just acted. And the Border Patrol guy, dude, they're always, these heroes, by the way, they're always so much more heroic because they never want to even take credit for yeah. their heroism, which is always incredible. They never, they never ever never. go, yeah, you know, I was a hero. They're always like, no, I just did what I was trained to do. No, you didn't. You're a hero. Uh, and we love you for it. I mean, love, like American love, our deep patriotic love for people who sacrificed their own safety, health, and well-being for the benefit of others like you guys did. That is a rare, distinct trait to be able to do that, right? But I get what they're saying in a way. And I said on Fox and Friends this morning, the real heroism with these guys, Joe, and these women, these, these people who do these kinds of things mm -hmm. in our military and police departments, the real heroism is when they swear on to the job because mm. they're agreeing to go through a training cycle in police academies and in boot camp where they are going to learn to refine their courage into the ability to act Whereas many others just would, would stop and, and, you know, understandably right. so, would just be frozen. That's the heroism. And, and, and that's why I get it when they say, believe me, I mean this to highlight their heroism of cops and firemen and military and first responders. Uh, when you agree to sign up to train to do that, you know, my friends in the Secret Service who learn how to, what they call, get big. Mm -hmm. There's a line in the Secret Service Training Center, get big, right? where they teach you when the shots, God forbid, are to rain out, if they were there with a protectee, the president or someone else, you're taught to get big. Literally what I'm doing now on our video channel. Hands out, head up, no ducking, chest towards the rounds. You're supposed to eat that. You're the bullet magnet. That is so counterintuitive yep. to what any sane person would do, anyone. You would duck, of course you would. But that's not, and that's the heroism. And that's why when you hear these people like Oscar Stewart and these other American heroes, this unique crop of people who say, I just acted. I get it. You just acted because you agreed a long time ago to be in our military, police department, or elsewhere. And you trained yourself to act like a hero at that moment where the horror came your way. You got big. And that's why I want to just open this show sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thanking Oscar Stewart and the border patrol officer who, who stopped this carnage before it was worse. It was still a horror and extend my gratitude to every cop, fireman, military man and woman out there who trains to do this. You didn't have to think you thought about getting big a long time ago when you raised your right hand and swore to get big when the horror came your way. Thank you to all of you means the world to people around you. People are living today because of your valor. Okay. Um, moving on. So Barack Obama gave this speech a long time ago. You know, I just find this interesting how the media ignores the history of Obama. And I thought about this this weekend, not to relitigate the Obama presidency, which was awful, Joe, but I sent this to you this weekend because I'm watching the cable news mm -hmm. shows, doing my preparation for Monday's show. You know, the job really never... Ends. I mean, I don't have the most difficult, not a lot of hard labor here, obviously, but mentally, I always want to stay sharp on the show because I feel like you've given me an hour. I want to give you a solid hour back, but I'm, I'm genuinely surprised how Barack Obama himself has managed to elude, um, excuse me, um, avoid, not elude, avoid any scrutiny whatsoever from the mainstream media about the Spygate scandal. I mean, there's no question anymore that the Trump team was spied on and that yep. the Russians interfered in our election. And Joe, those two things happened under Barack Obama. Yep. The Russians did interfere in our election. No sane person thinks otherwise. Did they change votes? No. Did they alter the outcome? No, not, not they didn't. They, it was mm -mm. the money they spent was nearly inconsequential. But that doesn't make what they did 
you know, less uh, uh, horrible. I mean, the Russians tried to involve themselves in our election. That happened under Obama. The spying scandal, the use of Stefan Halper, human intelligence assets, secret surveillance courts, and national security letters to spy on the Trump team, Joe, happened under Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember the three tweets when you're... Uh, uh, Oh, this frustrates the heck out of me because their love affair with Obama never ends. I I tweeted this weekend that when the clear eyes of history look back on this scandal, Obama is going to go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. This spy scandal is going to tarnish him so badly when actual historians not interested in political ideology look back at what happened. Don't forget the three tweets, too. Uh, Excuse me, the three texts. For those of you out there on the liberal side, who want to ignore the White House's involvement. Those of you in the media ignoring the White House's involvement in these scandals. Those of you on the conservative side who don't know how to fight back when people say, oh, we don't know Obama was involved. Remember these texts. There's the August text where the the uh, Peter Stroke, the lead investigator for the FBI, they're investigating Trump, mm-hmm. where he texts his, his girlfriend, Lisa Page, and they say basically the White House is running this. Now, to be fair, we're not exactly... sure that that text was about Crossfire Hurricane, the investigation of the Trump. But ladies and gentlemen, you would think a media person would ask Obama or Joe Biden what that text was referencing. What exactly was the White House, quote, running? Remember, the case starts July 30th. Don't you find it convenient, Joe, that just days later in the beginning of August, the FBI investigators investigating Trump are tweeting to each other that the White House is running this? Remember the September tweet. Mm -hmm. It's important. The September tweet where Lisa Page uh, texts uh, uh, stroke. They're texting each other. POTUS, President of the United States, an acronym, wants to know everything we're doing. Remember that one. Yep. About what? Is anybody in the media even remotely interested in getting to the bottom of this? Are you even asking questions? POTUS wants to know everything we're doing from the FBI agents and lawyers investigating Donald Trump. You're not even remotely interested what POTUS at the time Barack Obama was interested in knowing. And finally, we have the last tweet in October between, uh, excuse me, I keep saying tweet, text. I'm, I've been tweeting all morning. That's why. Yeah. Text from Andy McCabe, the deputy director of the FBI, talking to Lisa Page and others in this text about a meeting at the White House with the deputy director of the CIA talking about speaking about the case with one voice. What Again, media people, aren't you interested at all in what the White House knew and when they knew it? Do those texts to the investigators involved in this case, do they even excite you or tickle your fancy a little bit? I thought you were journalists. You have people like David Korn. Well, you don't know what that's about. That's my point. You don't know either. David Korn, the liberal hack for Mother Jones, who was a co-conspirator in this thing, propagating the dossier before he could back it up, putting it out before the election. He tried to interfere with the election. But I text, I tweeted, I actually did tweet that to David Korn. You don't know what those texts were. That's the point. You don't either. Right. Are you even interested what the White House wanted to know? They want to know everything, what they were running. The White House is running this. What one voice their policy to the White House between the CIA and the FBI meant. Now, doubling down on that. So that's the second angle, how this whole spying debacle happened under Obama. And Obama has managed to just deftly avoid scrutiny at all. Nobody even asks him about it. 
When is someone in the media going to say, Mr. Obama, what exactly were you running, according to the FBI? And when they said you wanted to know everything about what they were doing, what were they referring to? And watch him lie about it. On the second prong of this, though, how he's avoided scrutiny. Mm -hmm. This whole two-year attack about how the Russians attacked our election integrity. Obama was the president. Like, has this not hit you in the media? Why is nobody asking Joe Biden now that he's going to launch for president? Why aren't they asking him now about these two things? What was the White House, White House running? And why did you do nothing about the Russians trying to interfere in our election? As a matter of fact, I'm about to play this sound here. Why did Barack Obama give this speech in the Rose Garden where he said this? There is no serious person out there who would suggest somehow that you could even you could even rig America's elections, in part because they're so decentralized and the numbers of votes involved. There's no evidence that that has happened in the past or that there are instances in which that will happen this time. <laughs> Did I miss something? That's an actual speech. We didn't yeah. edit that. We cut that. It's, it's a five minute long appearance. Uh -huh. uh, hat tip C-SPAN for that. That's an actual quote by Obama. Remember, it was Trump who had said, hey, we're worried about voter fraud and election integrity. When he, It was Trump who said that. That was the whining so speech. So a report? Yeah. yeah. I remember yes, that. Yes, bingo. Where Obama goes, well, so a reporter asked President yeah. Obama about then-candidate Trump's assertions that, hey, we have to worry about voter fraud and election integrity. And you're right. Joe's absolutely right. Obama goes out, tell Trump to stop whining. There's yeah. no issues here. Nobody can hack our elections. Our elections are fine. It's Obama who said that. Why is he not being asked about that? How has this guy escaped scrutiny here? How? He not only refutes in that. That was October, by the way, right before the election. And for those of you out there who need the cut, obviously you can take it from the audio or video show here. Uh, but I have the real clear politics be hat tip to them. Uh, an article up in the show notes today that has that video clip in it. There you go. It's up on the screen now. Obama to Trump. Stop whining. No serious person believes U.S. elections can be rigged or stolen Jeez. by Tim Haynes, July 14, 2017. It's a flashback piece. That's up in my show notes today. Keep it up on your iPhone <laughs> or your Samsung, whatever. Screenshot the headline and say, I don't get it. I don't get it. How was the White House running the spy operation, according to the FBI, or running something that nobody's ever answered questions on? How did they want to know everything? How were their meetings at the White House with the CIA and the FBI? We already know about through text. And how is it that Barack Obama said the Russians couldn't, couldn't interfere in our elections? Or that anybody, she's talking about anyone for that yeah. matter. How did all of this happen? And the White House, former White House, Obama and Biden, have managed to escape scrutiny at all? The answer is easy. I think you all know the answer. So does Joe. Mm -hmm. The answer to this is easy. The media is a joke. Um, they're not for, they're not, they, they don't have a, a case. They, they do have a case of the for reals. The for reals, I used to, when I was buddies with my friend in the secret service, we used to have these, sometimes these recruits would come in and they'd be all full of like vinegar and stuff ready to go. They didn't realize how hard the training, we call it having a case of the for reals, right? The media <laughs> thinks they're for real and they're not. They have a case of the for reals. They think they're journalists, but they're not. They're not asking the real questions. They're engaged in an ongoing gaslighting Pravda-like effort to distract you from the real story. To wrap this up, how the heck Obama 
after the election, oh, the Russians, the Russians did it. The Russians did it. All the Democrats, the Russians colluded with Trump, number one. And number two, how an Obama White House that was looking to run something, the FBI, and wanted to know exactly what was going on, and they had meetings there, how the Obama White House can still avoid any scrutiny on the spy scene. It's just, I mean, it is, it is political malpractice of the highest order and journalistic malfeasance to not report on this stuff. Keep that cut handy. We'll be using that again in the future. Nobody can interfere with our elections. The Russians interfere with our elections. That's not what you said before the election. Unbelievable. What a phony. All right, Kamala Harris. So uh, speaking of candidates for president, Kamala Harris was out this, uh, was out this weekend. And it, it, this is just, um, it's sad to watch. You know, I would say it's funny, but it's not. Because if one of these candidates in the Democrat field for president that's up uh, burgeoning right now at 20 candidates, if one of them gets elected, um, your civil liberties are are in a lot of trouble, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I kid you not. And the problem is we're now having this leapfrog event where in order to pander to the activist, far left, radical, anti-civil liberties, police state base uh, where the volunteers and the energy are, the, le the left has been energized by the uh, by the possibility of oppressing conservatives, suppressing their speech, in some cases possibly jailing them, spying on them. Um, they seem to enjoy this stuff, the radical far left. We've seen this, this effort by candidates to leapfrog each other with more radical proposals. So what did Kamala Harris proposed this week. And this is actually pretty stunning. Uh, she was out on the campaign trail and she was talking about right to work laws. And Kamala Harris now wants to ban right to work laws. I have this article. Uh, we're not, you know, we don't make this stuff up. Washington Examiner, Joseph Simonson, Kamala Harris calls for a ban on right to work laws. Never has the title of a story been so, uh, corresponded so well to a segment yeah. we were running. She, she wants to ban right to work. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with right to work laws, don't believe the spin. Listen, if you're a listener to my show, I, I shouldn't even have to say this, but I will. You know, tradesmen, craftsmen, laborers, I I adore what you do. I gave a, dedicated a whole segment to it last week. I grew up in a family full of union employees. I have no beef with unions. I don't know why uh, anybody telling you that doesn't understand. where I'm, I have zero beef with union. People who work in unions, tradesmen out there. They, this country works because of you. I, I did a whole segment on this last week that was heartfelt, and I meant every word of it. I do have a problem, however, with people attacking people's freedom to join said unions. Yeah. I give the example all the time. When I was a patrolman in New York in the 7-5 precinct with the NYPD, we wasn't a union per se, but it was, you know, they lobbied in our behalf. It was a patrolman's benevolent association. For all intents and purposes, it was a union. I joined because I wanted to. They had really good benefits. They did a good job. I had no reservations about that then or now. You know, cops needed a voice too to speak collectively. I have no problem with a collective voice. The problem I have is when leftists want to take away your right to join that voice. Joe, I'm a, a simple question. Yeah, man. What if the union that represents you is a crap union and does an awful job? No. Ladies and gentlemen, it happens all the time. Yeah. Right to work laws do nothing to stop unions from organizing. Nothing. The only thing they do is prevent you from being coerced to join a union you don't want to join. I, again, my admiration for the people who built this country is endless. My father was a plumber. My brother's an electrician. You know, I grew up painting houses and worked at a cemetery. I was a manual labor guy my whole life. 
I, it's not the union. It's being forced to join them. I don't know why people mm-hmm. don't get the distinction. Right to work laws simply enable people to have the freedom to not join a union that's not representing their interests. Not every union is doing the right thing all the time. You should be free to join or not. And making the argument that, well, you're going to free ride off union benefits, that's a silly argument. That's a silly argument. You could make that argument about anything. Mm. You could make the argument about how people who don't eat broccoli are free riding off people who do because they're healthier and don't use medical benefits. Externalities are a part of life. You don't forfeit freedom because of positive or negative externalities. You simply try to try to find a way to factor them in. Let the people then who don't want to join the union don't take part in a union contract. Let them write their own contract. We, we can't do that. Yeah, no, you can. You don't want to. So Kamala Harris, just to be clear, now wants to ban people from freedom, from the freedom to join a union in the 27 states that have right to work laws. Ladies and gentlemen, this is insanity. Now, I bring this up because I saw a piece on Fox and Friends where, astonishingly, this gentleman who represents the firefighter union, firefighters, upwards of hundreds of thousands of firemen across the country, paid firemen, comes out, I cannot believe it, has the temerity to endorse Joe Biden. Folks, I'm going to play this cut. When I come back, I, I was astonished by this because I'm telling <laughs> you right now, I know a lot of firemen. I don't know one fire. I don't, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I know a lot of firemen. I grew up in New York. There's a ton of paid firemen in New York. I don't know one that is endorsing or voting for or even remotely supports Joe Biden. Play this cut and listen to what Brian Kilmeade asked a great question about, well, is union money then going to pay for this? And watch the guy kind of hem and haw on his answer. Play that cut. You realize, of course, many of those firefighters, some of which I spoke to before this segment, uh, are all in for President Trump. Are you taking their dues and putting it towards Joe Biden? Let me tell you about uh, our union. We have a a union that is a perfect reflection of the political landscape in this country. We have Republicans. We have Democrats. We have independents. We have conservatives. We have progressives. Our job as a union is to support the candidate that supports the issues that enhance their careers, their professions, their economic future. That's our role. Right. Uh, We don't question their personal views or their views on many of the social issues. That's for them personally. But their union is focused right. on the candidate that's going to deliver for them right. a cost and a, a, a their careers. But but you uh, are that's the basis. Right. So I, yes, I mean I've got members. You're uh, you using know, their dues. Are you using their dues? But are you using their dues for Joe to Biden? Represent all of them as their in their profession. Right. So you are you using their money to support Joe Biden? Uh, we're using the money that those that choose to contribute to our political pack we use on their behalf in the political arena oh <laughs> nice job kill me really? nailing that guy down <laughs> right yeah, good dude. for you brother nailing a, uh, 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 basically yes boing. we're using your money to support a guy most of you don't support listen Folks, I know. I, Joe, Joe really gets that excited. I heard laughing before the clip. I heard him laugh. He didn't play it yet. I mean, why? You see him hemming on. He can't even answer the And good for Brian. Guys, ladies yeah, out there, if you are a fireman, 
Professional firefighter out there. I don't get volunteer firefighter. You're all, it's the same amount of danger. Fires don't treat volunteers any different than they do professionals. You should be raising Hades over this. I would not give a dime to a union that not only supports and advocates for guy, but supports and advocates for a guy, Joe Biden, who is actively working against your interests in many cases. And I don't mean your limited scope interests of your job. The firemen I know are dads, are, 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 are in some cases moms, are patriots, are conservatives, are local community volunteers. One of right. the guys I know used to be a teacher after he retired. They don't, they're interested. Why are you treating them like a bunch of robots? Like, they are, oh, this is it, the firemen. Only. These firemen have interests outside of just their job. You say, well, the union's interest is to advocate on behalf of the, on the job. Okay, great. Well, why are Democrats bankrupting the country and nearly every county monopolized by Democrats across the United States is having some kind of pension problem? They're not helping firemen. Your pension's at risk precisely because of overspending. You should be raising Hades over this. I, you know, this down here in Florida, this is personal because down here in Florida, we have a great governor, Ron DeSantis, mm-hmm. good, solid conservative. And before the election, a couple of the firefighter unions came out and endorsed his opponent. And man, these firemen lost their marbles down here. They went after it and they did oh. the right thing and fought back. I am humbly and requestfully uh, and respectfully, excuse me, requesting that you guys and ladies out there fight back too. Your money is being spent to advocate for a candidate. And what I'm telling you is not advocating or advancing your needs at all. And remember, this Kamala Harris wants to take your ability to do that away. Now you'll have to join a union if Kamala Harris is banning rights, which, by the way, it would never pass the Supreme She's just lying. The Supreme Court would shoot that down so quick. Are you kidding me? The Janice case yeah. just happened. The tide is going in the other direction. The tide is going for workplace freedom. Not workplace monopolization. And one last thing on this. It's just fascinating how Democrats think about the opposing arguments they make. The Democrats almost always make arguments that contra and are contrary to their own ideology and they don't even know it. On one hand, the Democrats say big business. We hate monopolies. Big, break everything up. Break up all the oil companies. Break up this company, that company. Yeah. So they don't like monopolies in business, right? Monopolies are bad. Well, we can all agree genuine monopolies probably are bad for business in many respects, right? But then again, when it comes to labor, no, no, no. We need to monopolize union interests. You're not allowed to get away. So you're supposed to be (laughs) able to get away from big business by breaking up companies to create more choice. But when it comes to labor interests, no, no, you have to go with that union. They have a monopoly. Well, what if that union stinks? Shut your mouth. Join that union. The Democrats are always, they always make arguments that oppose their own arguments. And they don't see it ideologically. So you hate monopolies in business, but you love monopolies in labor. For the exact same reason. You don't like monopolies in business because there's no choice. But you love monopolies in labor because there's no choice? <laughs> uh, hello, McFly. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. They do the same thing with healthcare. You know, I, I've, I've talked about this on the show a lot, but with healthcare, we spend entirely too much money as a country on healthcare. Okay, well, well what are you basing that on? Well, we spend a lot of money. Okay, well, what do you, I mean, again, what are you basing that on? On what? We spend money on joint replacement. Yeah, people need joints replaced. Healthcare is expensive, by the way, because of government. But then when it comes to education, they go, we spend entirely too little. Meanwhile, education spending's up 400% since I was born in 1974. Well, what is it? 
Well, the, the, the answer to the question about why they argue the opposing points is because in, in healthcare, a lot of the money winds up in the free market. Doctors, hospitals, administrative staff, medical technology, drug manufacturers. In other words, capitalism. A heavy government footprint, but capitalism nonetheless. It winds up in private hands. What happens to the money in the education system? It winds up in union hands in the end, a lot of it, through teachers' dues and other things, which then turns around and goes to Democrats. That's why the Democrats make the opposite argument. We spend too much on health care. They don't know that. They have no idea. We spend too little on education, but we're spending a fortune on education. They're just worried about where the money winds up. And when it winds up with unions that advocate their interests, then we spend too little. When it winds up in the free market, we spend way too much. They're frauds. Love monopolies in business, uh, excuse me, in labor, hate monopolies in business for the exact same reason. Firemen out there, speak up. All right, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. Hey, I wish this double chin would just go away. From now until Mother's Day, your wish is our command with GenuCell's outrageous Mother's Day sale. Double chins, sagging jawlines, and turkey necks are real problems until now. Introducing the new GenuCell jawline treatment formulated with MDL technology. Robin from Lubbock, Texas wrote, I put the jawline cream on my neck two or three days ago. It's the best my neck has looked in over 20 years. Several people told me my face looks young. I am blown away. Sure, you could uh, use expensive or harsh treatments to look younger, but why would you do that? For only one more week, the GenuCell jawline treatment is yours. Absolutely free when you order the classic GenuCell for eye bags and puffiness. And with its instant effects, see results in the first 12 hours, guaranteed or your money back. My mother-in-law loves this stuff. Go to GenuCell.com. That's GenuCell.com or text YOUNG to 77453. A surprise Mother's Day premium gift with all orders. Text YOUNG. That's how you look to 77453 or visit genucel.com. That's G E N U C E L.com. Genucel.com. Go and check them out. Okay. Um, moving on. So it was an interesting appearance by Michael Mukasey, uh, former attorney general, on Chris Cuomo's show this past week. And uh, I've been itching to get to this because Cuomo on CNN, who has a primetime show now, which uh, the ratings are absolutely horrendous on it. Cuomo, uh, who was one of the lead kind of propagandists now for defending the Obama administration and avoiding the facts. Now, he's an opinion guy, Cuomo. He pretends to be a journalist reporter. Um, he's yeah. not. Um, he's an opinion. That's okay. But he has an opinion. His opinion is wrong. It's based on lies. Uh, he is interested in defending the, Obama, defending the Obama administration. But I want you to watch him go to battle on his show with an actual lawyer, Michael Mukasey, and a skilled one at that. And Mukasey just humiliates him. Cuomo seems unfamiliar with basic separation of powers argument and what uh -huh. the Justice Department actually does. Consider this. He's being investigated for a crime that didn't happen and that he certainly didn't commit. Who says it didn't happen? Russian interference happened. Russian interference happened, for sure. But cooperation <laughs> and conspiracy between the Trump campaign and the Russians did not happen. And that was to the a criminal level. No, says Mr. Mueller. To any level. Mm -hmm. I don't know about any level, but to criminal level. I do. I'll give you. Okay. And he, and he, there's an investigation going on, not for a month or six months, but for a, two years, close yes. to two years. And his administration is laboring under the shadow of that investigation and people alleging that it happened. Uh, there are going to be indictments and so on and so forth. But this is a special counsel. 
And it was put together by Rosenstein because he wanted it separate from the DOJ because of what he saw as potential It's not conflicts. separate from the DOJ. I know. It's within the DOJ. But as a mechanism, separate. I know it's under the DOJ. I understand how the guidelines are written. I understand why they were written, because we didn't like what the independent council was. It's not just the guidelines. Was. We have three branches of government. I understand. This is within the executive. I understand. We don't sprout a new branch of right. government. But what your friend did is not just by the book. He took it on himself to decide this rule. He didn't have to do that. Of course he had to do it. Why? Who was going to decide whether to indict or not? Congress. As a political matter. Leave it to them. They decide whether to impeach or not. And Mike, they don't you're, decide... skipping, you're skipping the big point, which you taught me about very that early is on. The big point. They can't indict him. That is the opinion from the OLC. So there is nothing to decide on that level. It is so, purely political. It always Congress would be. doesn't indict. Congress can. I know. Impeach. I'm using. I'm using it as just a you know a metaphor here. But you, we you're know you can. A lot of people. No, because we know you have the a big OLC. audience. We know the. <laughs> we know the OLC says. It's getting smaller by the minute. You now, can and you can indict. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? Is that great? I, I'm telling you, this Mukasey, Ooh. I love this guy. He goes, you have a big audience. It's getting smaller by the minute now. I mean, what a shot. Those of you missing great. on the YouTube channel, just did a little like right, left, cross there. <laughs> I, well, I mean, talk about humiliating this guy. So there were three big takeaways from this. And by takeaways, I mean... I'm sorry, but you may lose 10 IQ points, me having to discuss this on my show. But it's worth it not to make you dumber, but to highlight the fact about how ridiculous and ignorant people on CNN are. So Cuomo makes three points. First, he says, well, I understand why they made the special counsel separate from the DOJ. Um, it's not separate from the DOJ? I, I, it, what makes you think it was separate from the DOJ? Uh, Casey's line is great. We don't sprout new branches of government. Joe, I, I, you know, I thought this was obvious, apparently not to Chris Cuomo. The special counsel works for the Department uh. of Justice. He doesn't have supernatural powers. Um, he's not Black Panther or Captain Marvel. <laughs> Bob Mueller worked for Rod Rosenstein and Jeff Sessions. Sessions recused himself, and then Rosenstein, and then for acting Matthew Whitaker, and then for then a, a confirmed AG Bill Barr. This is There is no new branch of government. Cuomo seems genuinely confused by that. Mukasey has to tell him, like, you're misleading people. We have an executive branch of government under which the Department of Justice falls, under which the special counsel works. Is this how hard is this for you to understand? Yeah, we don't good. sprout a fourth branch of government. <laughs> did you? Did he miss that? What? Well, what? What's the new branch of government? <laughs> the Praetorian Guard branch or something? Did he, is he just making this up? So there's falsehood number one, which Mukasey does a great job. But there's no separate branch of government. The special counsel is within the DOJ. Simple as that. Then he goes on. And Cuomo says, well, Barr shouldn't have decided this question of obstruction of justice, basically in a bar report. And Mukasey says, well, who else was going to decide to indict? They're talking about to indict. Right. And Cuomo seems genuinely confused. Well, Congress and Mukasey's looking at him, Joe, like, oh, face. Do you ever see the giffies, the facepalm giffies <laughs> on Twitter? Oh, this one with Dr. Judy. It's the, uh, the not <sighs> Dr. Judy, uh, Judge Judy, excuse me. Dr. Judy, Judge Judy. She's like this. Oh. She can't take the stupid. <laughs> Congress does not indict. What part of this does he's done? 
Congress is the legislative branch. Indictments come out of the executive branch of government under the DOJ. Cuomo's unsure exists at this point. Are you getting this? (laughs) He's making the point, Cuomo, well, Bill Barr should not have made the decision on obstruction of justice. Well, who else did you want to make the decision? Thanos from the Infinity Wars? It's the Department of... He goes, well, Congress could have done it, which leads into my third point. Congress does not indict people. Mukasey has to actually explain this to him. Congress can impeach. They have the power to do that if they have the votes. And in a trial in the Senate, presided over by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, if there is a conviction in the Senate trial, the president will be impeached. He can then be indicted later. Cuomo seems genuinely curious about this. Like, he doesn't know. Congress, well, we should have left the decision up to Congress to indict. Mukasey's, oh, Judge Judy facepalm. Oh, mm. my God. I can't believe I'm talking to this idiot. Congress does not indict. This is the same network that hosts Brian Stelter in a show called Reliable Sources. Brian Stelter was confused this weekend. Donald Trump would never appear on The View. He was talking about after Joe Biden went on The View. Donald Trump's been on The View 18 times. This is Brian Stelter. His show is actually called Reliable Sources. (laughs) Okay, folks. Again, just to reiterate, for Chris Cuomo's benefit, the Department of Justice does not exist separately of the executive branch or the special counsel, okay? Special counsel under the Department of Justice works in the executive branch headed by the president. This is like civics 101. Secondly, the attorney general, of course, is going to be the one to decide within the Department of Justice to indict or not indict if Mueller punts on it because he doesn't have the evidence. Who else did you want to decide? Who who else did you want? Third, Congress does not indict. They have no power to do that. That's a Justice Department function. My gosh. I'm genuinely sorry I had to put that out there. I'm not trying to dumb you down. I'm trying to show you how little the media knows about anything. This guy hosts a show on CNN in primetime. I, I think he's a lawyer, isn't he? I mean, I'm not even, at this point, I'd, sure. I'd be embarrassed to say so if I was him. He doesn't know Congress can't indict people. Oh, man. All right, what do we got next? What do I have for Oh, important story. All right, don't go anywhere. All right, there you go. Mother's Day, limited time only. Our buddies at 23andMe is taking $30 off their health and ancestry kit up until May 13th. 23andMe, their health and ancestry kit, ancestry, excuse me, is the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Celebrate what makes mom special with personalized genetic insights on her health, traits, and more. I found out some interesting things about myself, uh, my 23andMe swab, which was interesting. Uh, with the health and interesting, uh, uh, gosh, spit it out, Dan. Health and ancestry kit. You and mom can celebrate your genetic similarities and differences as you explore your shared connection with over 125 personalized genetic reports on your health, traits, and more. Give mom a gift that's truly unique. With 23andMe's Health and Ancestry Kit, she can discover how her genes may influence her health. And with more than 125 personalized genetic reports that feature information on her traits and health, like genetic weight, caffeine consumption, sleep movement, and much more. I found a lot about uh, about my sleep uh, behaviors through my 23andMe. With 23andMe's trait reports, mom can learn how DNA influences her facial features, taste, smell, and other gifts. She can learn how her genetics could also influence her health. 
This Mother's Day, uh, get $30 off, 23andMe, their health and ancestry kit at 23andMe.com slash Bongino. That's the number, 23andMe.com slash Bongino. Again, that's 23andMe.com slash Bongino. This offer ends May 13th. They have pretty comprehensive genetic ancestry breakdowns. Uh, this is the most comprehensive one on the market. Go check it out. Mom can explore where her DNA is from out of over 1,000 regions worldwide. Again, go to 23andMe.com slash Bongino, offer ends may the 13th okay um listen there's a story in the wall street journal this morning it's important you know uh we are in a severe as i discussed last week debt crisis and and folks i'm not misleading you or virtue signaling or you know pretending or oh okay i <laughs> sorry my wife's texting me during the show there um i'm, I'm not um messing with you when i tell you our debt situation our national debt situation is really catastrophic it it keeps me up at night and it i i lose sleep over this at times i'm not kidding because i understand right now that we are at this inflection point in our history where we can we are looking at in the future potentially unthinkable prosperity literally stuff we couldn't have even thought of in the past through mm -hmm. everything from information technology the potential for artificial and extended intelligence, material science, you know, medical technology. You know, we may be on the cusp of major breakthroughs for Alzheimer's and other diseases that have just ravaged people's lives. This is all being slowed down by a government that cannot stop spending our money. It is sucking money out of the economy that left in the free market would be used to invest in the technologies that are going to take us to levels of prosperity we've never seen before. And it's all being destroyed by this catastrophic government debt. This catastrophic debt is being driven almost exclusively right now, folks, by entitlement programs. There was an interesting piece up at the Wall Street Journal today uh, of the falling disability rolls, where they're talking about basically some good news and some bad news about entitlement. So when I say entitlement, so you understand what I'm talking about, our government debt is largely being driven by Social Security, Medicare, other government-run healthcare type programs, uh, and and, uh, and and some of the sub-programs under those programs. Mm -hmm. It is those entitlement programs that are driving our national debt. We just don't have the capability mm -hmm. to pay off all their obligations. As I discussed last week, their own independent auditors who've looked at this, these are not political partisans, have already said the program is broke. Now, whenever I talk about this, I'll give you the good news and the bad news in a second from the piece. Whenever I talk about this, uh, Paula told me last week, she reads a lot of the emails too, we try to go through them, that I get a lot of emails from people and they say, you know, but Dan, I paid into this. I get it. Listen to me. I get it. I am not suggesting if you were a senior citizen, I don't know how many times I have to say this, that if you're a senior, that you did anything wrong. There is nothing wrong you did. The government mandated you give them money for your retirement, your health care. The government then screwed you over. Ah. They did. They spent your money. There's nothing you did wrong. A lot of you didn't ask for the program. A lot of you would have rather have kept the money yourself. A lot of you could have invested the money better yourself. I totally get it. And I'm not suggesting, I'm not running for office, so it doesn't really matter anyway what I'm suggesting. But to politicians listening, I think we should take care of people 55 and older, do our tax rolls, because that's what's funding this now, because we promised them basically their money back. And if we can't keep this basic promise to a generation that had a lot harder life than we do now based on our prosperity, then really what there's nothing left here. But we have to be honest with ourselves and say with people 55 and younger, there's no money there. There's no money. 
There is no sound actuarial analysis that shows that Social Security and Medicare will be solvent for generations to come. None. There's no money there. And I'm sorry, but I paid into it is actuarially speaking, is not an argument. I get it, Morally, it is. And that's why I want to be mm-hmm. clear. So please, I'm not suggesting anyone should take your Social Security away. I have a grandparent alive, too. I'm not saying that. But I'm suggesting from a financial perspective, I paid into it is not an argument. A moral one it is, because you were screwed over by your government. Mm-hmm. But you paid into a lot of things. I pay into an unemployment insurance fund. I never used it. I've never claimed unemployment benefits. I'm paying into Medicare now. I'm probably never going to see a Medicare benefit in my life. It's broken. I paid into it too. I'm not suggesting you don't have a moral argument. But on the financial front, that is not a, that doesn't it's not going to make the money just magically reappear after the government wasted it and spent it. Is all I'm saying to you. We can't fix the problem by making moral arguments. Well, I paid into it. That's we get that. But it's not there. I pay into S chip. I don't use that. I pay into locally school lunch programs. We don't use that either. You gave your money to the government. They promised you something and they lied. Now, going back to the piece, here's the good news on this. There is a good news for it. Because remember, entitlements, the disability fund, which is in the Social Security uh, fund there, due to the booming Trump economy, people who are on long-term disability, those roles are shrinking dramatically. This is from the Wall Street Journal piece today. While Social Security reserves are still projected to run dry in 2034, actuaries have extended the doomsday clock for the disability fund by 20 years, all the way out to 2052. Why? Because disability applications have been falling since 2010 as the economy has improved. The growth in beneficiaries that started in 1983 started to reverse also in 2014 when the Social Security Administration tightened benefit reviews to reduce rampant fraud. So, ladies and gentlemen, the recovering economy over the years and in some of the years prior to Trump came in, if you uh, read the piece there, the snippet from the piece. But this booming economy has created incentives for people to get off long-term disability roles and enter back into the workforce. This is really good news, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a double whammy of positive news. The first bit of positive news is your tax dollars now are not financing this disability checks that people are getting who are not on disability. Hmm. But think about number, that's the easy one. But think about number two, Joe. As those people on long-term disability roles financed by the taxpayer get off, mm. They become taxpayers themselves. They become producers of revenue and value and tax money that can be uh, used to pay for some of the Social Security and other benefits that people really do need. So it's a twofold benefit. So that's some good news. Now, sadly, as I I do this often, because I like to give you a a fact-based show and a wide spectrum analysis of what's going on, the downside they continue in the piece is this. Now the bad, it literally starts, now the bad news. The Medicare Hospital Trust Fund is expected to go broke by 2026. Ladies and gentlemen, 2026, it's 2019. It's not far away. We're not talking about generations. The Medicare Hospital Trust Fund will go broke in 2026. It goes on. Recall how the Democrats, Democrats, they passed the Obamacare tax. Remember that? That was supposed to finance Medicare. Obama proclaimed, we're going to be able to help ensure Medicare's solvency for an additional decade and reduce the deficit by a trillion dollars. Your tax did nothing. 
Eh. Medicare and its hospital trust fund is going broke. In probably my grandmother's lifetime, in 2026, she's healthy. It's right around the corner, folks. It's a big, big deal. Now, I bring this up, the lie of Obamacare. Obamacare, remember the tax was supposed to benefit the Medicare trust funds, the health care, help everybody? Because there's another article, the Washington Examiner, about the, oh, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal about the future of health care. Obamacare is popular because it failed. Holman Jenkins, who does really good work over there in the opinion section of the Wall Street Journal. The title of this piece is interesting. Obamacare is popular because it failed. (laughs) He makes a couple of interesting points in here, Joe. That the reason people now like Obamacare is because Obamacare doesn't exist anymore. It is pieces of it do, but really, the benefits of Obamacare stayed in place while the downsides of Obamacare, the the costs, were wiped away. Who wouldn't like that? Obamacare is popular because it's not Obamacare. In other words, the middle class uh, are getting subsidies, roughly 5 to 10% of Americans, depending on how it's calculated, in the individual health insurance market, are getting taxpayer subsidies from other taxpayers who are paying for their health care. But the individual mandate and these other, by the way, all of Obamacare is bad. I'm not defending this disaster at all. It needs to be ripped out, root, branch, and everything. It's a debacle. It's based on community rating and guaranteed issue, which can't, the economics of it won't ever work. But when you, when people point to you, liberals, and they say to you during this election, well, look, 52% or whatever Americans like Obamacare, they are not liking Obamacare. Obamacare is dead. They are simply liking the idea that they think they're getting something free with no costs. Joe, there's no individual mandate anymore, That's and there's right. no tax penalty for nine. But think about it. If you're middle class, wow, you're getting a, a basically a subsidized check from the government to buy health care. This is great. We love Obamacare. <laughs> well, what's the problem with that? The problem with it, as he goes on later in the piece, is we're getting this, this kind of forked system here. Jenkins says in the future, Obamacare part due, which is what you have now, which is not Obamacare, it's all of the benefits, air quotes, with none of the actual payments, means what, Joe? That as I discussed before, Medicare's going broke, Social Security's going broke, these entitlement funds are going broke. Jenkins says in his piece, well, our destination is now clear. In the future, there'll be one gold-plated healthcare system for the rich and workers in high tax brackets. Yet there'll be another system for those who depend on this proliferating array of government programs. They can read their future in the latest report of the trustees of the Social Security and Medicare out this past week. These giant budget sucks are rapidly outgunning their dedicated funding sources. Soon they will be openly competing with every other federal priority for non-existent tax dollars, including those that the Dem presidential candidates would like to spend on free college and Medicare for all. What is Jenkins saying? I love to tie these pieces together because they all do. Piece number one, entitlements are draining our federal budget. Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, S-CHIP, the disability rolls. There is no money left. There's none. There's no money left. Now, parlay that into the second piece. Oh, Obamacare's popular. Of course it is. People are getting free benefits to pay for health care that are coming from taxpayers. That is now going to compete. And this is where people aren't seeing the big picture. Joe, the free benefits, tell me if this makes sense, Mm -hmm. are now going to compete for limited tax dollars with Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. We still, we can't afford now. It needs to be funded. 
It, it, of course, it needs to be. There there's no money. So what are you going to have? You're going to have this wealthy gold-plated system where people are going to exit out of government insurance because they don't want to sit on rationed waiting lines, which is going to happen in the future when the money runs out. And then you're going to have the wealthy and privileged and people in the upper middle class who have private access to doctors, private doctor networks. They're at uh, companies that pay for high-end insurance. They bring in their own medical clinics. Do you understand that that's the future if we don't do two things? Get rid of Obamacare because it's sucking money out of other programs and reform Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security so that people 55 and younger are aware that these benefits are not going to be there. There is no money, ladies and gentlemen, none. Zero money. All right. Um, last story of the day. I can't believe I got this all in. I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, man. You're Typically doing Mondays are so new. <laughs> Thank you. Motoring <laughs> right along. Uh, Mondays are stacked news days. Sally Yates, co-conspirator in the attack on Donald Trump and the uh, weaponized police state government we had in the, the Obama administration. Sally Yates appeared this weekend on uh, on uh, Meet the Press. And... Um, was it Meet the Press? I think it was. I sent you this guy. She said something so, yeah, uh, it was NBC. She said something so ridiculous. And I want to tell you why Sally Yates, former acting attorney general and deputy attorney general, a known Trump hater and co-conspirator in the police state madness, why she is speaking out now. And listen to what she says. They're all freaking out in the Obama administration. Play that. Cut. Speaking first to the Russian issue, which you just raised, um, if not for the Office of Legal Counsel prohibition against indicting a president, should there have been further uh, further steps? Do you think that there, in fact, on obstruction would have been an indictment? Well, you know, I've been a prosecutor for nearly 30 years, and I can tell you I've personally prosecuted obstruction cases on far, far less evidence than this. And yes, I believe if he were not the president of the United States, he would likely be indicted on obstruction. Okay, Sally Yates is a police state hack, and she's speaking out now for mm -hmm. a reason. Of course, she thinks Donald Trump should be indicted uh, on obstruction of justice charges, which is ridiculous. I've debunked that over multiple shows. I don't even need to readdress it. It's dumb. But why is Sally Yates speaking out now? Because now that the tides have turned, ladies and gentlemen, from a focus on the collusion hoax, which has now been entirely debunked, to a focus on the Obama administration spying scandals, now the Obama people are freaking out. John Brennan, Jim Clapper, others out there who realize they better get ahead of this and refocus, Joe, back on Trump. But they can't do a 180 and refocus back on Trump on collusion because now Bob Mueller's entirely debunked it. So what are they doing? They're all coming out of the woodwork to refocus Trump and obstruction. Trump should, Trump should be arrested and charged with obstruction after he's impeached. Get him out of office. Now, why is Sally Yates freaking out? Well, two reasons. Number one, it is Sally Yates who during the Trump administration and the transition fabricated a preposterous, absurd legal theory on why Lieutenant General Mike Flynn, then the appointed national security advisor, would be subjected to Russian blackmail. And it was Sally Yates who met with Don McGahn in the White House who went over there and said, hey, you got to get rid of this Mike Flynn. He's in a world of trouble when he was, in fact, not in any trouble at all. Remember this story? I discussed this on a December 5th episode. I only remember it because it was the day after my birthday two years ago in a hotel room in Trump International, and the show did very well. Sally Yates, acting attorney general at the time, goes over to the White House and says, hey, Mike Flynn, during the transition, your appointed national security advisor, 
who was uh, you know during the transition, right. made this call to the Russian ambassador. We have the transcripts. When Mike Flynn told the vice president that they didn't discuss sanctions, but they did. So the Russians could blackmail him based on like the Logan Act that he was conducting foreign policy without being an office. The Logan Act has never been successfully prosecuted in the history of the United States. It's a joke. It's the felonious mopery of federal charges. Yeah, Sally man. Yates made up a crime and walked into the White House to get them to fire Mike Flynn because he was basically an enemy of the Obama administration, I believe, had significant information about the depths of the spy scandal because it happened to him he was set up by russians uh, excuse me by foreign intel trying to uh, attach him to russians sally yates makes up this legal theory about how mike flynn could be subject to russian blackmail it's absurd about what talking about foreign policy is the incoming national security advisor it's ridiculous she made that up that was a legal theory not backed by any precedent at all she did it because she's a political hack but secondly joe Sally Yates appears rather prominently in the whole Spygate debacle where the Obama administration spied on the Trump team. Oh, Her yes. name is on one of the FISA warrants. Yes. Sally Yates signed one of the warrants where they, you know, the FISA warrants where they used the secret court to spy on the Trump team based on debunked, discredited, false information in a politically paid for dossier. Sally Yates signed that. Ladies and gentlemen, she's freaking out. Brennan's freaking out. Clapper's freaking out. Comey and all of them because they know the walls are actually closing in on them as Bill Barr and Inspector General Mike Horowitz start to look at the weaponization of the police state under the Obama administration and what they did to target the Trump team. Don't take a word out of Sally Yates' mouth seriously. She is simply trying to 180 it back to focusing on Donald Trump so the spotlight comes off her. That is the only reason she was on Meet the Press this weekend. Do not believe the hype. All right, folks, that was a stacked show today. Thank you again yes, for tuning sir. in. I really appreciate it. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Bongino. Also, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to our audio show on a podcast app on iTunes, you can subscribe on iHeart if you have a Samsung phone, Galaxy or anything else, and SoundCloud as well. The subscriptions are all free. Ladies and gentlemen, sponsors are kind enough to pay for the show and keep it free. But as those subscriptions, clicking that free subscribe button, it helps us move up the charts. We deeply appreciate it. Thanks a lot, folks. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.